Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 103 Mirko the Tabaxi Falconer. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Stephen Trinkle's table in the Levitating Platter. everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of sidekicks and side quests the best unofficial dungeons and dragons podcast in my humbly biased opinion i've got an amazing guest lined up this week but before we get to my guest i've got an ad read for you from plus one exp tony vicin is the mastermind behind this mastercraft of beard bombs game design and community building He's got all of the beard balms named after all of the basic stats from D&D, so get that can, apply it to your face, and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards and Beyond helped to launch this entire endeavor, but if you want to know if Tony has developed other games, he has, and you can check them out by searching for titles such as Repugnant, I Toaster, Down We Go, Through the Void, Vamp Nugula, and Brandstanding, just to name a few. If you support Plus One EXP, either by buying something on the website, going to tonyplus1.itch.io, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Forward program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. So I would highly encourage you to follow both Tony and Plus One EXP on all of the socials, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, as well as join their Discord server. In order to keep up with all the various projects that are being worked on, as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these other amazing indie TTRPGs. And if you don't mind, head on over to plus1exp.com, go buy yourself a Beard Balm or a Beard RPG, and when you see that affiliate code box, type in Randolph at checkout to save on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, the code is Randolph at checkout on the website plus1exp.com. All right. Hello, mystery contestant. Would you care to introduce yourself? Tell us who it is that you are and what is it that you do? Sure thing. Uh, my name's Steve Trinkle, and you may or may not know me as the player of the Elven Bard Galdrian on the Average Adventuring Party podcast. Uh, I am also known or not known as Kurt's roommate at one point. We went to uh, college together and we're also in a music fraternity together. Indeed, we are. Outside of tabletop, uh, I'm a musician, and I'm also involved with the classic Doom modding community. I uh, make levels and things like that. Pretty I cool. write a lot of, yeah, it's really cool. It's really fun. Uh, 
you know, working with those limited tools of the of the '90s, <laughs> which I have to remind myself was 30 years ago. So yeah, <laughs> uh, but I write a lot of music for school bands, like marching bands and such. And I've also been a gigging musician in an indie funk ska band called Kabamba, which was really active in the Austin and San Marcos areas of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, these days, though, I'm mostly just a cat dad and a Warhammer 40k player. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, a card-carrying fan club member of the Mighty Mighty Boston's. Oh yeah, uh, sad, sad that they broke up. But you know, they, uh, you and I got to see them live in concert, and yeah. they're one of my uh, one of my inspirations for getting into music. But I've also uh, gotten into a lot of other bands as well, mostly through Osmosis, and yeah, it's all why I picked up the trombone in middle school was because uh, I wanted to learn how to play the impression that I get, which mm. turns out I not a very hard song. <laughs> awesome. I know this will be an easy lead in, which I think will give us more fodder to uh, elaborate more on the question. But do you currently or have you ever played D&D before? I think <laughs> listeners of interviews that I've been in and other podcast episodes probably have a clue. Yeah. Um, well, spoiler, but yes, I've I've played D&D before. Uh, in fact, you and I got into it together while we were roommates. Yes. As I'm sure you've no doubt shared the stories of uh, Harin, my uh, dwarven cleric, and uh, your human wizard, whose name escapes me at the moment, but I Otto remember... Otto von Krieg. Yes, I, that's right. It was Otto. I remember there was a lot of uh, fun had during those games, but on top of that, I've been playing pretty steadily for a few years now i'm in three games right now there's the podcast game which uses the 13th age system mm-hmm. which uh i know uh, gary has talked about before with the mm-hmm. escalation die mechanic yes. uh, i'm also in an ongoing pathfinder 2e game and i'm also in a 5e game and i recommend all those systems each of them has something that they do really well and lots of fun and you've also had the opportunity as well to uh, be behind the screen as well, because uh, you did, in fact, DM a one shot for me for my bachelor party, which was really fun and some lessons learned from that as well. Um, and then during the pandemic, you know, like everyone else, we attempted to make a go at an online game and it basically was a one shot, but it was still a very fun one shot as well. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And that one shot was pretty fun. We set it in, I set it in the uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms era of ancient China, which is one of my favorite settings, especially when you allow for uh, things like magic and that. And I remember that I had given your character a free reroll, uh, an inspiration. I think this might have, might have been even before inspiration was really a thing, because I think it was a 4E game. I'm pretty sure we did it in fifth edition because we oh, had maybe to, it was fifth edition. And I think it was the the lesson that we learned from that was maybe we should have just gone with pre-generated characters instead of having everyone roll up characters. Cause that, I think the character creation ended up taking <laughs> most of the night. Yeah. Yeah. We got through everything, but we were pretty tired at the end and your character almost died. I remember yep. you failed your, your last death saving throw. And I was like, <coughs> reroll, reroll, trying to remind you that you still hadn't used your reroll. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you managed to actually make that last death saving throw as a result. But yeah, it's uh, it's challenging sometimes being on both sides of the screen because uh, when you're a player, your instinct is sometimes, depending on your relationship with the DM, mm-hmm. trying to stymie them or 
trying to cooperate with them, try, uh, noticing when they're trying to lead you on a story hook and and going with that. And it can be hard to uh, to find a balance there because you don't want to be too frustrating for your DM. Sure, yeah. But yeah, lots of fun uh, being on both sides of the screen. Recently got a 3D printer, so I've started making my own minis for uh, when I DM too, or as well as uh, printing stuff out for parties that meet in person. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. I'm getting pretty good at it. And, uh, you know, you said, oh, you're an avid uh, 40K player right now. And that just takes me back to my junior high days of trying to attempt to get into the hobby. And I did spend a lot of effort and work, you know, super gluing them together and painting them and then bringing them over to my friend's house. Three of my friends would be over on one side of the room arguing before we've even played or done anything. They would be too involved with arguing about like, which characters could and couldn't be used. And meanwhile, my other friend and I would just be on the other side of the room being like, wow, look at this, look at this basilisk artillery thing I just painted. Oh, (laughs) these soldiers look really cool. And so, yeah, I remember I had a few Imperial Guard dudes and that, and that was it. And then I ended up selling my stuff to another kid in the neighborhood. But yeah, Yeah. that was my short foray into 40K. Yeah, that's, uh, Guard is my primary army. And, uh, you know, it's pretty fun just being, you know, fighting the horrors of the universe has the common human, not the uh, plot device in power armor. And uh, just kind of seeing the horrors of the galaxy. I like that perspective of them. It's also very rich for using it as a roleplay setting, too. Sure. Because Well, Warhammer, I think, like the fantasy wargaming setting, Warhammer, I think they have their own ttrpg now they do right yeah and and so does 40k 40k has had a few actually there's oh been, wow there's been uh dark heresy there's been gosh Are i they can't like remember them super all. intense to try out <laughs> uh the i think the one that came out most recently it's called uh wrath and glory and it's by i want to say cubicle seven is their name okay. and it's a a d6 pool system so your Ooh. character gets like a pool of d6 is based on what ability they're using and i think uh, i haven't played it in a long time because i haven't had a chance to but i think you do like a like a five is a success and a six is a critical success and you try to get like a target number and okay uh, they have like a tier system so that you can play anything from like a super powered space marine to a uh, lowly you know scavenger on some backwater planet and anything mm. in between. So it's uh, pretty uh, interesting. I haven't had a chance to really engage with it much, but it's it's had some really cool promo material, and I'm looking forward to uh, trying it out sometime. Yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, delighted to be talking tabletop with you. You know, brings us back to the old days of Harin and Otto von Krieg, the winter contingency trading company, buddy, buddy days. Um, But I think it's a perfect momentum to carry us into the questions of the namesake of this show. So who has been one of your favorite NPCs or sidekick characters, whether it's been from an RPG, a video game, movie, film, television, etc. And why is this character your favorite NPC or sidekick? So... As soon as I started thinking about this question, there was only one answer I could have, and that is uh, Tali Zora from Mass Effect. 
Uh, oh, I don't yeah. know how familiar you are with Mass Effect in general. It sounds oh, like yeah. you have some familiarity. At least the first two games. I've never actually yeah. gotten around to playing the third one, but I did get the Legendary Edition for Xbox One. Yeah, I have. I went through the Legendary Edition recently, and you know, it's kind of funny. The only way that I can make myself not romance tally in a playthrough of Mass Effect mm. is by playing female Commander Shepard. Oh. Otherwise, it's just, I just. I can't do it. I can't romance anyone but Pally. <laughs> she is sweet and wholesome. Yeah, she's quirky and personable. Uh, and she's got some real character traits that you can nail down. Mm-hmm. But she's also someone who tries to do right, not just by her own people, the Quarians, but mm-hmm. also like everyone else around her. Uh, she's not necessarily what we like to call the lawful stupid character. Mm-hmm. But she is often the voice of reason and compassion in a lot of the squad dialogues. and mm-hmm. But at the same time, she's not a pushover. Uh, she's never pigeonholed into any particular role by her character traits, by being you know obsessed with technology or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all just part of what makes her who she is. It's nice to see a character like that who is willing to be kind, but also isn't just a complete pushover or anything like that you know she stands up for what she believes in if you get into an argument with her or one of the squad mates gets into an argument with her she'll stand up for herself and just uh really like her as a character i think she's one of the best written characters in the entirety of that series i also really like garris uh so no gotta have a shout out for garris because garris Mm -hmm. is an awesome character it's just that i gotta give it to my girl tally sure so it sounds like with most squads uh, that you're rolling out with, probably like Garrus and, and Tally are probably the, the two that you're bringing with you most often. Yeah, and uh, I usually play a character that has both firearms and biotics experience. Mm-hmm. So that's usually a very well-rounded squad anyway. Yeah. The rest of the squad just kind of sits on the sidelines, aside <laughs> from their missions. It's always been one of my favorite series and even the ending of mass effect 3 was not enough to uh dissuade me from that no (laughs) all right other side of the equation as well what's been one of your favorite side quests from rpg video games movie film etc and why has this been one of your favorite side quests this is a side quest from fallout 4 okay i don't remember the exact name i don't remember the location in it all i remember is how it made me feel. It's a dig site uh, controlled by bandits. Okay. And I don't think there's anything necessarily that directs you there. It's just while you're exploring, you can find this dig site populated by bandits, or maybe there's some note or some terminal that says they're there or something. Mm -hmm. But as you're going through this dig site, the bandits are acting more and more erratic. And of course you're just clearing them out. But when you uncover the secrets of the dig site, it it has uh, some some sort of occult significance that oh, goes back Dunwich. before the war. Yes, the Dunwich Borers. That's the one. That's what it is. Uh, that one is just so unsettling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't have any larger story significance, but it points to such a bigger part of that world that doesn't even get to be explored. Mm-hmm. unless you know that this is more than just a world where, you know, there's nuclear-powered everything and then there was a war. Right. It really does a lot of world building that doesn't really have impact on the story, mm-hmm. but it's still really enjoyable. And just that unsettling feeling of not really knowing what exactly just happened. Right. 
the unanswered questions about that place really, really uh, unsettled me. Bethesda had the first opportunity to kind of start laying that on us in Fallout 3 because there's a Dunwich building in like the southwest corner of the map that you can go to that's kind of like spooky in that way. And then even in the Point Lookout DLC, I think there's more to do with the Lovecraftian sort of elements that they get to play with. And uh, even in Fallout 76, yeah, you know, obviously you have cryptids are a big thing with some of the flavorings of some of the nuclear mutated creatures you fight. But there is a very strong, heavy presence of Mothman cultists, as well as uh, the interloper. And so these weird Cthulhu-esque sort of monsters that you can find. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, Bethesda's had an opportunity to kind of play with the spooky a little bit. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. And then the way we round out the personal interview section is we ask the question, what are you passionate about and why? Well, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but I've been passionate about ska music for uh, about as long as I can remember, really. I'm not the sort of guy that wears checkerboard patterns on everything, (laughs) and I don't own any pork pie hats or stuff like that. (laughs) But it's, it's fun music to play and listen to. I prefer to just listen to it and play it when I get the chance. Uh, and, you know, for those of you who don't like ska music, that's that's okay. That's perfectly valid, you know. Uh, but also, I think you just don't like fun. Yeah, yeah. You've written some really cool pieces. And like you were saying earlier, how you were part of Kabamba. And even then, when you were at, like, grad school and stuff like that, I think you, were, you had tried to start other ska bands and you were still writing music. You know, there's the one song stand-up guy yeah you helped me with the melody for that one yeah i really do like listening to that song i think you titled it under airlock empire yeah that was like kind of a a gimmicky band name and uh and never really got off the ground that song was really good though yeah and i've i recorded a one-man band version of that song it's on my soundcloud i'm not gonna plug it here because my soundcloud's not like i'm not one of those guys trying to get caught on the soundcloud it's just a bunch of it's just a bunch of stuff <laughs> but you should go listen to that song because it's it's good and then you wrote another one that had a variation on the jingle for the uh the old spice yeah i ended up changing it up a little bit to avoid the copyright even though i never really published it or anything to avoid the copyright mm-hmm. pitfalls there change the melody up a bit but mm-hmm. uh i made it instead of do 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 I uh, do, 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 do. just same rhythm, just different little uh, melody there. And, you know, it, it's a lot of fun writing stuff like that. I haven't haven't had a chance to sit down and write or record anything lately. You know, being full time working adult uh, really does that to you. Uh, mm-hmm. No one ever told me that adulthood was just going to be working 40 plus hours a week and having back pain all the time. But here we are. There you go. All right. Well. We've had a wonderful opportunity to learn some awesome stuff about my guests that I think it's time we head into a segment called NPC Creation. Let's do it. Yes, NPC Creation is brought to you by you, the podcast audience, and our patrons from Patreon. So now's the time where we give a shout out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey, a.k.a. Goblin Katie, Anson Jablinski, and my parents, we say cheers. Of course, this is for patrons who donate $2 or more a month. All of these folks are among my highest tier, as of this recording, wealthy level. So that means that they also get to introduce an element of chance to our random tables, which we are 
most likely going to use here today. So if you want to learn more and join my podcast Patreon community, check out the show notes below, go to my podcast website, or just go directly to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests to find out more about our three tiers as of this recording and help us expand our operations at the levitating platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. So yeah, uh, we get to make up an NPC now at this point. And I believe you said that you wanted to take a chance and roll the dice. Is that correct? Absolutely. Let's roll them dice. All right. So you've got them all at the ready. And we like to begin with a name of our character. So if you want to roll a d20, let's see what you get. All right. Rolling a d20 right here. My result is a five. Not very promising for a tabletop session. Well, uh, the good news is is that your name was suggested by previous guest, Andrew Strother of the Roll for Persuasion podcast, Mirquo. Mirquo. M-I-R-Q-U-O. So, Mirquo. Mirquo. That's a, that's a cool name. Yeah. And now, here is where we can uh, get some wild dice rolls going. We need to figure out the ancestry of our character, and we do that by rolling a D100 or two D10s. Yeah, I've got that. Let's see. All right, we're looking at an 87. 87, scrolling down the list. Ah, okay, so you have a choice here. You can either do Leonin, which is the lion humanoids mm-hmm. that were introduced in the Theros setting, or a Tabaxi. I think I'll go with Tabaxi. Okay, so Mirko, the Tabaxi, okay. And then we need to figure out what is the job or role in society for this character. You can just roll a regular D10 for this. Eight. Eight. Okay. Your answer was provided by our fraternity brother, Patrick Kolb Falconer. Yeah. A Tabaxi Falconer. Tabaxi Falconer. Okay. And uh, let's see. We need to figure out the age range of the character. And this is determined with a D8. Roll the three. Young adults. So we have a young adult Tabaxi named Mirquo. That's a Falconer. So with these things in mind, in your mind's eye, describe the physical appearance of Mirquo. So Mirquo, being a young adult uh, tabaxi, uh, has a very broad and friendly, but not necessarily trustworthy grin. Um, (laughs) Mirquo, fur pattern, probably uh, mostly black with some patches of gray around his snout and maybe on his chest. A fairly tall and stocky tabaxi. Hmm. A very well-built young young man, I would say, and he uh, <laughs> has kind of has to be because you know falcons are pretty pretty mean. Not that someone who's small can't handle a falcon, but uh, mm-hmm. I like to imagine that he's just a very solid unit. He's you know always wearing his thick leather glove on one hand so that his falcon can rest on his hand. Mm-hmm. Probably some very bright and wide yellow eyes. Ooh, okay. I'm imagining like a Maine Coon as oh, a tabaxi. Yeah. Maine Coon as a tabaxi. That's, there you go. Uh, he's got big fluffy mane. Like we said, solid unit. He is uh, <laughs> you know, still very youthful. No uh, signs of wear and tear. Mm-hmm. No scars or anything like that. Just uh, in the prime of his life, really. Also seems like an interesting juxtaposition because, you know, it'd be easy stereotype to be like, oh, a cat training a bird, you know, that he's just going to eat later. But the fact that uh, Mirquo is a falconer by trade, it's a it's interesting, kind of speaks to the 
maybe the world building is he from a group that uh you know exclusively you know uses birds of prey to kind of help them out or is it, it like i'm thinking of a uh, ren fairs that i've been to where they do like a birds of prey um show and they talk about like oh and like in these feudal societies you know like falconry was like the thing you did and it like you know helped you hunt and stuff like that but it was also just a cool thing of a uh, prestige and stuff so i'm just kind of curious if you've already got ideas turning of like oh, your yeah. story i've got ideas i think that by day mirquo uses his falconing skills to uh to you know hunt and provide for uh his his people or his village or wherever he comes from mm-hmm. but i also like to think that mirquo might have some less than reputable connections some shady connections mm. uh, maybe maybe say a thieves guild or something like that where okay. uh, his falcon is used as a messenger oh interesting okay and is you know mirquo in a fairly urban environment like a pastoral sort of environment or uh, or i don't know where were you imagining him so you know how in Skyrim you have like those big cities, the big keeps, and then outside you have like the the smaller farms that are a walk, a short walk away from the city. I like sure. to think that that's where he kind of lives, quote unquote, mm-hmm. because that's a good way to keep track of the comings and goings. And then okay. you know no one will think anything of Mirquo heading into town and you know doing business and selling. Uh, selling his catches or anything like that and gathering information or things like that yeah okay yeah i'm just i just don't know enough about falconers to be like is it is it exclusively a thing of the nobility or is it just like hey you have the wherewithal and you take the time and the patience to train with a bird of prey and now you're just a falconer oh i'd say it's definitely a thing where anyone with the discipline and the opportunity could really do it. Probably not even a noble thing. Uh, I imagine there are probably a few falconers out there who are just hunters. Sure. Probably got the kindly, kindly old man who uh, rescued his falcon as a little, little baby bird, raised it himself, mm-hmm. fed it, puked it in its mouth, and everything. And uh, <laughs> but with Mirquo, I think it's more a matter of you know formally studied found another trainer and took the opportunity to take lessons and has stuck with it because uh probably formed a strong bond with his bird mm-hmm. with his falcon i don't know if we, we want to roll for our name there or if we just want to make one up you can make one up or do whatever yeah yeah i'll call the falcon uh graybill graybill Ooh, that's a strong yeah. name yeah okay. strong name for a all right, so if you had to come up with three adjectives for Mirquo, what three adjectives would you use? Uh, sly, friendly, yet honorable. Interesting. So if he has shady dealings, I'm just wondering with the adjectives that we have here, what's the story there? Like, a, oh, you have to work for us kind of a thing? Or like he sought out this work specifically to kind of take advantage of a situation that was like oh this could you know improve the life of my family and my community if i do work for this group of people or something yeah like i'm thinking something more akin to the harpers than necessarily a thieves guild that steals oh okay but probably still something that does some illegal stuff just not necessarily to line their own pockets maybe they take a little bit off the top but they mostly you know steal from 
people that deserve to be stolen from people that have ill-gotten gains i don't think they ever punch down and they don't you know they don't steal from the kindly old widow who just gives all of her money to charity anyway i figure you know he's got a sense of loyalty to his friends and to people that uh do him a solid interesting okay so yeah so like the harpers okay so kind of like a robin hood esque sort of a outfit it sounds like he's with and maybe he yeah. lives in uh you know if he's living in the outskirt farming communities outside the big major walled city maybe perhaps it's not a um a just society it's more of a uh a despot on the throne if you will kind of a thing and so he's like okay so i yeah. deal with like the robin hood guy and give him intel of like what's going on in the city and i still do my falcon thing that keeps me out and about and i can still easily associate with the rest of the uh, of the group you know trying to uh, you know rob from the rich to give to the poor kind of a thing exactly he doesn't necessarily get his hands dirty but mm -hmm. he knows where you can get your hands dirty interesting okay and uh, yeah, carrying on, we now get to do some more dice rolling and figure out what is a valuable item, a piece of lore, a secret, or an ideal or concept that Mirquo would ascribe to. And this is a combo where you get to roll a d4 for the category and then a d6 for the particular thing. So for the d4, I've got a 2. Okay, so this is a piece of lore. And then for the uh, d6, I got a 6. Six. Okay, well, <laughs> your answer was provided by your game master, Gary Barker. Uh, apparently with Mirquo, he knows that somewhere in the north, the sea predators are hunting people on land. So it sounds like this is something that's uh, maybe going on in the local area that he's aware of. Yeah, I think maybe some of his uh, cohorts were you know, trying to steal from some pirates up there. And uh, they had to turn back because of the danger there. When they tried to rob from the pirates, the creatures from the sea rose up, attacked everybody. Oh. They had to leave the loot behind. Okay, I'm just trying to get the timeline down. So uh, the people from the group were trying to get some pirates, you know, to get their loot. But inadvertently, this caused the creatures of the sea to rise up and start attacking not only pirates, but people on the land and stuff like that. Exactly. And then we need to determine a uh, particular side quest that Mirko would be willing to recruit or hire player characters uh, to go and do. So if you want to roll for this randomly, it's going to be a D12. Or if you're inspired, you could just kind of like lay it on us of what you think a side quest Mirko would be interested in uh, giving out. So I've got some ideas, but I really want to roll the die. So got a three. Three. Okay. Well, you're, if you go with this answer, it's from our Patreon supporter, Ansa Jablinski. Uh, it says, to return a book to a neighboring town's library and pay the exorbitant late fees. Ha! That's, that, that is a good one. I'm going to go with that one because that is, <laughs> it kind of plays into some of the adjectives that we described. He's sly, he managed to leave with the book, and mm -hmm. honorable, he wants to pay the late fees. Well, is he going to pay the late fees or is he going to let the player characters pay the late fees? I think kind of going back, let's combine this with the previous answer we had where we were talking about the uh, lore from the pirate's booty. Mm -hmm. Make this kind of like a two-part test. He's, he's got this book that he borrowed from a library because he maybe was trying to investigate some magical item or something like that mm -hmm. and uh, had it out for 
too long, was intending to bring it back, but knew that he couldn't bring it back without paying the late fee. His group goes, tries to get that pirate treasure. Then the sea predators rise from the sea, and uh, everything just goes really, really, really south. And he, him being a falconer, he, he's, he can handle himself in a fight, but not against, you know, nasty sea beasts that yeah. outnumber them. Not when a giant squid emerges from the deep and decides to, uh, you know, you know, go all Davy Jones on a poor coastal town. Exactly. And so maybe Mirquo tells the party, hey, uh, look, I need you to pay off this book. I know where you can get the money for it. And I'll let you, as a show of good faith, I'll let you keep whatever doesn't uh, get covered by the treasure. Mm. Whatever I don't owe from the treasure. And maybe he's uh, wanted in this town or something oh, like that. Being associated with the, uh, the the gang of outlaws, as it were, with uh, exactly from the rich to give to the poor. Yeah, he's missed his chance to sneak back in there because he didn't have the money to pay off the library. Can't get back in there on his own. Too distinctive looking and, you know, disguises don't really work. Maybe <laughs> the town guards are just got really high passive perception or something like that. Sure, and depending on how rare um, tabaxi are in this part of the world, too, depending exactly. on your setting. Like, it could be maybe tabaxi are commonplace, and he's just a distinctive main Coon-esque looking tabaxi individual that they would easily recognize him. Or the fact that he's very rare, it's like, hmm, that cat man walking mm-hmm. around sure looks like this wanted poster. Yeah, it's like uh, in that D&D party where you've got like a village that's full of mostly humans and elves and maybe some half-elves, dwarf or halfling or two. And then you uh, go in there and it's uh, a party that's like a, a dragonborn and a tabaxi and and uh, oh, what's the ner- what's the word? Luxodon. And oh, yeah. Like, okay, spot the main party. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he you don't perf- look like you're from around here. Are you new exactly. in town? Exactly, yeah. So stands out, can't get into the town, needs the party to do it for him, uh, agrees to let them just keep whatever of the pirate's booty that they could take. Mm. Uh, all he asks is that they return the book for him because it's the right thing to do. And so then I'm imagining, so yeah, part of the side quest of uh, you know returning the book and then going forward with the plot hook of like, okay, well then here's the location of this treasure you can get. You just have to tackle all of the critters rising up from the oceans and attacking the area but once that's dealt with it sounds like that's that's part of the reward then for the quest or are there further rewards um offered you know from the gang from mirquo himself so here's what i'm thinking any party could just say oh yeah sure we'll take that book go run grab the treasure and forget all about the book Mm -hmm. so to counter that what i'm thinking is the reason Mirquo needs this book back at the library, besides it just being the right thing to do, mm-hmm. it has a note hidden in it oh. to a member of his society. Okay. And he needs to get that note to them. Uh, maybe it's like inside the front cover or something like that. Okay. And maybe the party won't notice this, but when they return the book, maybe maybe they have a chance to spot the per- next person who checks out the book mm-hmm. and sees them open up that note. And maybe it can lead to a hook maybe they can get involved with this outlaw group and prove themselves worthy of joining it oh okay interesting okay so it's a way to get initiated into the outlaw gang okay yeah it can be their introduction or at least uh they can meet an npc that's a part of that group aside from mirquo 
Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's up to the party what they decide to do. Maybe they're inclined to join this group. Maybe they just keep them as allies, or maybe they just ignore them entirely. We also have to consider what's going to be the consequence of failure or refusing the call to the adventure. As far as refusing goes, I think the players would really just miss out on it. I don't. I think Miracle's a resourceful enough guy that he would be able to find some way to get the book back. Just might take more stealing than he would like. As far as the party failing, uh, I would say that really depends on how they fail. Do they sure. fail to get the book back well maybe that leads to some complications with the with the outlaw group not necessarily against the party mm-hmm. but they have a breakdown in communication and some of them get captured during a job or something like that oh okay yeah yeah because that note that was hidden in the book was supposed to be maybe like a warning exactly for the next town over i guess the next farming community over aside from the the main royal city or whatever and then we're imagining that this um in the north where the sea creature attacks are happening that's probably like you know a good couple days uh, away from this place i'm guessing if we're trying to imagine like the rough geography in our heads hypothetically but of course a dungeon master can change this all around to fit their setting exactly and if the party just fails to get the treasure to pay off the late fee then they just have to find some other way to pay off the late fee either from their own pocket or some other side quest might be able to get the money or something um you know it doesn't really matter where they get the money from it's just that having that that bit of lore is a good way to give the players somewhere to go when you were talking about like oh there's a note hidden inside the book i thought you were going to say like oh there's like a magic record of knowing who checked out oh, the yeah. book and then like that that could be it yeah that could be it too and maybe the book itself got lost with the pirates mm. that might be another reason why the party has to go up there and uh retrieve it from the sea predators because you know, the book was there and oh and he wrote it in his name and so he knows yeah. that this thing is looming over him that he needs to get you know, he needs to get the book returned and it's like, uh, you know, like some sort of ledger sheet of paper or something that he's looking exactly. at. And every day that it goes, it's another it's another amount of gold added to it. And it's just like he's like, I, there's nothing I can do. I know these, you know, I was on the job or whatever. These these pirates came in and they took the trip. They took the book, you know, because they didn't know any better or they just thought it was something nice and I'm just stuck with this exorbitant fee and I can't, you know, like I'm stuck in debt and there's no way for me to, uh, to get it paid or something like that. Cause he's just a falconer, you know, I mean, the gang yeah. can do enough to help him out, but I don't know if the, does the gang, you know, because they're robbing for the rich to give to the poor and they're only keeping barely what they need for themselves to keep um, the group thriving. It doesn't sound like the organization has the coffers um, to be able to pay this amount or something like that exactly Ooh. okay so yeah there's like a couple of different ways that you could go about this so what are the goals and motivations of mirquo as a character so mirquo mostly just wants to kind of just get by live a comfortable life he's not overly ambitious uh he's he likes being outdoors doesn't really necessarily want to make it rich but he's good at what he does so helps him make some coin I probably long term just wants to uh, settle down and have a nice cushy retirement in some nice remote village or a cottage or something like that. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have lofty ambitions about uh, helping his gang get up to the top 
or anything like that. They just do good where they can and steal from uh, bad people when they can. All right. And then how do these goals and motivations affect uh, Mirko's general personality? He's very laid back, very, uh, very easygoing, slow to anger, goes with the flow on most things. If he doesn't get what he wants from someone, that's okay. Uh, he can just move on to the next person. And then how does Mirko interact with other individuals? Is he nuanced between different groups of people, or is he pretty much the same across the board? Probably speaks in a lot of code to his group, causes them to come off as just acquaintances if they were to run into each other on the street. But when they're in private, he's probably very warm and, and friendly and uh, keeps up with all their kids' birthdays, things like that. And uh, as far as family goes, I like to think that he doesn't have any family besides his falcon. Probably an only child. Uh, parents not in the picture anymore. No uh, mate or or offspring. Kind of by himself. Just him and a bird. Does Mirko have a particular accent or language that he uses? Are there any idiosyncrasies in how he acts or speaks? Trying to give an answer that's not just uh, Maik the liar from Elder Scrolls, but uh, I think just think like smarmy. You know what? Well, along those lines of smarmy, let's give him a slight Cajun accent. Oh, okay. Cajun let's, let's, let's let's just shift this entire thing to the swamp, uh, to the bayou. Ooh, give interesting. A little bit of a Cajun accent. No, that that'll make sense with like the sea predators. They can be like giant crawfish or something like that. <laughs> the crawfish are rising up. We've had one too many boils. Yes, but that that would that's the kind of accent. No offense to any any uh, Cajun people of descent. I'm thinking Gambit from the X Men, and that okay, and uh, and how that voice for me is forever associated with you know sly, charming, honorable. Okay, so imagine Gambit from X Men, but he's like a main coon humanoid that's a falconer. Yeah, and he's also you know probably. Being a tabaxi probably uh, hisses a little bit on his s's. Interesting. Okay. What impact has Mirko made on the world? How has he shaped his local area? As far as the world goes, he, he's a bit player. He's not he's not a big, you know, change the world kind of guy. Uh, as far as the local scene goes, I like to think that he's helped bring down the occasional corrupt sheriff slash mayor or equivalent. I like to think that he's embarrassed not maybe not personally but he's uh he's helped embarrass some you know rich nobles who you know took their money from other people mm -hmm. probably has even gotten some people arrested for being villainous he likes to stay in the shadows he likes to do that sort of thing from the shadows because that's that's you know that, that stuff's all nice and good but really it's just about making sure that he gets by and doesn't have to do anything he finds distasteful to do it. Do you have any current problems that prevent you from being a bigger player on the stage? So I'd say that for Mirko, it's mostly just a lack of ambition. He doesn't mm. really see a reason for himself to get involved in all these crazy world-ending things. You know, why is why is he got to be the? Why does why would he want to worry about things like the dragon cult trying to summon? the dragons or some other world ending threat. That's not what he's about. He's about the little guy and mm. uh, taking care of his own. You know, he'll, he'll help out the party if they, if they need it, if there's something he mm. can do to help. 
uh, and they've gotten themselves into his good graces. But he's not mm-hmm. going to go out there. He's not going to be like an NPC who rolls initiative in the big fight against the uh, world-ending threat or anything like that. But really, Greybale was the secret weapon all along of the campaign. But, you know, the party rolls a nat 20 on their luck roll. Greybill swoops in, takes out the last five HP of the dragon, and when everyone's failing their death saves... and Greybill is crowned king, and everyone has to listen to yes. a hawk from now on. Yes. <laughs> All hail Greybill. All hail Greybill. All right. So now that we've uh, made it through NPC creation, I think it's time we go into a random encounter. So the random encounter is uh, does not currently have a sponsor segment at this time. I know if you would do me a solid and if you find my podcast on Zencaster, I know I linked it and stuff like that. But I think if you help to listen to my show on Zencaster, which is the platform I'm using to do my recordings nowadays, that might help put me on some more radars of advertisers uh, and sponsors and affiliates and all that sort of kind of stuff to get that kind of going. But otherwise, I am more than happy to work with you out there in the community. So if you've got something cool you want me to promote, if you've got an affiliate program, et cetera, et cetera, feel free to drop me an email, sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. Uh, let me know the details there in my email inbox. You can kind of like mention stuff on my other social medias, but primarily I would love to hash out details over email. And then we can see about having you sponsor the Random Encounter segment or any other segment on this show. So I hope to hear from some eccentric lord or rich lady soon. All right. Now we are in the role play vignette segment of the show. So the question is with Steve taking the helm with Mirko and I guess Greyville by extension, the question becomes, who should I be in the scene? Am I going to be another member of the faction? Am I going to be one of my podcast adventure characters meeting Mirko and getting the return the library book assignment? Or what do you think would be an interesting scene to showcase uh, Mirko off in? I think maybe something where Mirko's relationship with Greyville can be shown would be a neat idea. So... Maybe the party is asked by someone else. There's a hunter who's supposed to be selling me some furs that he got. Uh, can you go pick them up for me? So the party comes and meets Mirko, and he's got his you know wagon of furs. And maybe, maybe some you know bandit or something shows up and uh, makes a run for it with some of his goods. And so, of course, the party is probably going to be inclined to chase down the bandit. But I think having uh, Mirko sick his Greybill on the bandit would be a neat idea as well. Okay, so a podcast adventurer character meets Mirko because they have the assignment to go talk to him, and then we get to see the showcase of the bandit taking the stuff, and then Greybill gets to take the bandit down, and then supposedly after that point of interaction, maybe they decide to give the adventurer character the book assignment. Yeah, and I like to think maybe there's multiple bandits, something where Greybill has the chance to help out the party and they get a chance to see the bond between uh, Mirko and Greybill. Yeah, and maybe the party impresses them. So then the question becomes, which podcast character are you interested in having interact with Mirko? Because we've got a couple to choose from. We have um, Duncan, who's the recklessly brave adventurer for hire. We have Sonia, the warrior woman who multiclassed into a paladin. We have Korak, the lawful evil arcane trickster roguish dwarf. 
we have Chris Lee, the herbalist, botanist, wood elf, druid who multiclassed into a cleric. We've got Orion, who's the astral elf, illusionist, wizard. And then the newest one we have is Agape, who is a tiefling wild magic sorcerer. And her wild magic is like very Feywild inspired. Or if none of those sound interesting, we can just invent a whole new adventure character from whole cloth. What was the first one's name again? Duncan. That's what I thought. Yeah, let's go with Duncan. So where we last left our hero, Duncan, he had just finished up the mission for Delraban and Katniss, the Hexblood stonecasters who were the fantasy game designers. And after taking some time to sit and reflect, you know, Duncan's learned a lot about himself and, and what it means to his character to undertake these missions. And so he's grown a little bit in maturity, gotten some perspective. And so, you know, he's taken his time and he's finished updating all of his little adventuring business cards. So now Duncan has added a particular addition to each of his adventuring business cards. It now reads that he's a patron of the arts of the Crips and Creatures Stonecast. And so it's not that long. Duncan is walking and he's finding himself in another area, another region of the world in which there is a, uh, a small farming community on the outskirts of a bio swamp sort of environment. And, you know, a royal city is off a ways. And so Duncan is making his way through town and someone just kind of happens to stop him and says, oh, hey, can you go find this Mirquo? oh, I got a bad back and I can't go chase him down. He he needs to just get me something real quick. And so Duncan is like, oh, of course. Yeah, not a problem. Let me go find this individual. And so where is Duncan going to find Mirquo as he goes to try to look for? So I think a Mirquo at this point would probably be, he's on his rounds. He's got his wagon with his goods, mostly just furs at this point. Probably doesn't want the furs mingling with the meat. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably going uh, on the outskirts of the city with his cart maybe it's pulled by some sort of pack animal beast burden if you will and uh i'd say the party probably finds him by the main road not too close to the city because we gotta give the bandits an opportunity to uh, strike so in between the farming community and i guess this royal city duncan's pointed in the direction so there's like a you know there's like a little bit of a stretch of a road where it starts to you know open up to some wilderness, not not too much, but but just enough. And so Duncan, he runs solo and sees this card and the sees the individual match the description he was given. And he'll kind of call out and be like, hello, hello, are you are you Mirko? Hello, I was I was told that I needed to find you. Hello. Oh, yes. Uh, you you have found Mirko. Uh, and he he hops down from his cart. Uh, pleasure to make your acquaintance. Uh might I ask what business you have with me? Oh, of course, yes. And then Duncan will produce his uh, his card and, and show it to him and then begin to explain, you know, someone in the uh, town that he had just left, you know, someone was saying like, oh, he wasn't able to move fast enough and get his uh, his things that he had ordered. About mid-conversation, there's a rustling and the both of them look behind and they can see that there is like a trio of bandits who are starting to rifle through his cart and his stuff, and they're going to try and break for it. Uh, he hears that his ears perk up and then fold back, and he turns around and hisses. He says, yo, thieves, get away from there. That's not yours. And he points uh, his gloved hand at them, and Greybill puffs up and wings spread out and launches himself forward and 
at the first of the thieves. The other two grab what they can and start running off. And ah, can you stop them for me, my friend? Yes, Duncan will spring into action. The podcast audience has been waiting for this to happen, but you can see on his wrist, he has like a crossbow contraption that was developed by an artificer and it has like a grappling hook thing on the end. And so like in slow-mo, he like kind of moves to the side, he extends his arm and he activates the device and it shoots off a grappling hook, which goes to shoot towards the furthest one away to then kind of like wrap him around. And then with a deft yank of his arm, Duncan gets the gentleman kind of like in a clothesline and like like pulls him back as the device starts to retract and bring the gentleman prone, but also starts to drag him back. And then Duncan will also pull out like a throwing knife, I guess, and he'll try and throw that at the second one. uh, But the knife goes a little wide. And so as he's waiting for his uh, device to retract so he can like get it ready again for another shot. He'll wait and see if Mirquo uh, will spring into action on the third and final guy. Uh, Mirquo will grab a stick that he's been using to kind of pile these furs onto one another so that he doesn't have to touch them by hand uh, when Mm -hmm. he's pulling them apart. We'll kind of throw it like a spear, even though it's blunt. Mm -hmm. And he'll manage to trip up the, the one who's running and getting away and has the other that Graybill had attacked is starting to run and doesn't have anything to get away with. Mm-hmm. He lets out a command like to Graybill, uh, maybe like a whistle of some sort, and points mm-hmm. to the one who just tripped, and Graybill swoops down and starts clawing and pecking at that one as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, the falcon falcons are scary. No one wants to be pecked at and scratched by a falcon, so the, the thief probably... Uh, gives up the goods and and starts scrambling trying to get away trying to swat away at this bird of prey that is much more graceful than the thief is the final one that duncan had a uh, caught with his grappling hook device um he pulls out this magic cane and so he brandishes it at the guy that he managed to tangle up and he says there'll be none of this activity while i'm around you best be getting out of here and he like goes to move it up to like as if he's going to hit him but he doesn't actually hit him. It's just an intimidation thing, which does pretty well for this low level bandit. And so he drops the furs. He's like, all right, all right, I give up. And then turns tail and runs. He go, he starts to make his way for his buddy who's being clawed at by the bird, but he thinks twice about that. And is like, I'm out of here. And so he just leaves his friend who's like probably scrambling at this point through mud and muck and stuff like that to like get up on his feet and out of the way and uh, deeper into the recesses of the wilderness. That's quite a contraption you have there. Uh, thank you very much, my friend. Uh, sorry, I, I don't. Uh, uh, I assume that you were uh, sent here by uh, Murphy. Uh, the, he he was going to buy some some furs, but he never showed up. Uh, it must be uh, his joints giving him problem again, huh? Yes, Duncan is like reloading the arcane contraption on his wrist. So he'll say, yes, yes, Murphy was the name of the individual. Yes, uh, his ah, back yes. was bothering him this morning. So ah, so Duncan yes. will produce a small pouch of coinage that Murphy had meant to give for his furs. And so he says, I, I think this is what Murphy said would, would cover his order. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, I appreciate his flexibility. He, he knows I'm not allowed in the, in the city. So, uh, so here, uh, and Mirquo goes to the pile and of course he's catches uh gray bill on his hand and 
Let's Grave will just sit on his wrist while he uses that stick that he picks up from the ground to poke through the furs and say, ah, yes, these ones here. He wanted, uh, he wanted this one and this one. And he carefully pulls them from the pile and at one point has to use both hands. So kind of hold his hand onto the railing and without a word, Graybill just kind of hops and perches on the railing. Mm. And, uh, and he pulls out the two furs and hands them over and says, ah, yes, uh, as I said, I'm not allowed, uh, into the city, uh, not necessarily on a first name basis with the uh, guards right now. So, uh, mm. but Murphy is a good man, a good customer, and uh, glad that I can still give him what he needs. Yes, of course. And so then Duncan will roll an insight check, and uh, you know he does like better than normal. So, is there anything that Duncan might be able to uh, detect from that bit of information that Mirko has shared? Uh, no no signs of deceit or anything like that. The way he makes it sound is that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Probably does pick up that uh, he, he appreciates Murphy giving him a chance to uh, continue to do business with him, despite the complications. And then Duncan will respond, ah, yes, yes. Um, well, I'm certainly more than happy to bring these uh, back to Mr. Murphy, but it sounds like uh, maybe you have other business to do in the city, but maybe perhaps are unable to do so? Ah, uh, yes, well, uh, they take the library fees very seriously in the city, and, uh, well, I have a bit of a problem in that regard. Uh, you, you seem like a capable, uh, capable adventurer. Perhaps you can, uh, give me some assistance. Oh, yes, of course. You'll see on my card it says, no feet too small, no adventure too daring. Well, you see, I, uh, I was... Borrowing a book from the library. It was a book on uh, arcane sigils. Not really my something that I have much knowledge with, but I was hoping to learn. But, uh, you know, as it turns out, uh, I do not have the talent for it whatsoever. Just completely incompetent. Yeah, but I was traveling with this book, and I was up at the northern coast, you know, where the bayou opens up into, uh, into the sea. And... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, long story short, I, I ran into some pirates, and uh, there was a bit of a kerfuffle. The pirates, uh, they wanted to stick Mirko with a sword or two, and, uh, you know, I do not like to be stuck with a sword. But uh, before anything could happen, uh, perhaps because I was eyeing their treasure, but before anything could happen, all of a sudden, these uh, man-eating beasts came from the sea, and I... Uh, I am not too proud to say that I ran with my tail between my legs. And uh, mm. I think even uh, Graybill here had his tail between his legs. I do not back away from a fight with a man who, who starts trouble with me. But when it comes to uh, a giant squid rising from the sea that can bring a ship underwater with uh, just one swipe of its tentacle, uh, that is not what I am good at. And I am ashamed to say that I left the book there oh on the ship oh on the ship oh it got taken on the ship oh wow okay wow okay pretty tall order yes quite a tall order so certainly paying the return fees would be would be one thing and 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 duncan pats a coin purse on his side and he's like i well, i'm I, I i don't think there would be any problem on that front but but getting the book on the other hand i i do know that the ship Last I saw, the the ship that I left the book on was moored to 
so you should still be able to find it. It has uh, two giant sails on it. One has the green, dark green fabric, or how do you say, the the, the sigil uh, it looks like a kraken mm. with an eye patch. Oh. And that is, uh, I also know that that ship uh, belongs to some dangerous men with lots of ill-gotten goods. So uh, I was trying to perhaps swipe the goods myself, but I think if you get my book back, I would not complain at all if you just kept everything for yourself. I would rather you have it than those nasty pirates. Duncan is trying to do the mental calculations of just the timeline of events of how this all came to be. He does not have the wherewithal to sit here and grill this young individual. That's what Mirquo is going for. He's he's counting on that. Yeah, and so Duncan's just kind of like, "Well, I can't, I can't refuse a quest put before me, and you've you've certainly made it a uh, an interesting one to say the least." But okay, all right, I can I can help you out. And so he indicates back, I guess, to the royal city where he'll say, "Let me go get these these furs returned. I'll go check in with the library and see what this tab is up to. Maybe perhaps they'll let me cover that part, and then I'll go get." the book or just try and get an idea of what the bill is but um rest assured i will then travel northward i'll go recover this book and well maybe hopefully deal with some uh sea issues as well yes yes that would be uh that would be a, a good start uh and i would be very much in your debt and would repay a favor with a favor so to speak duncan will say his signature catchphrase onward and he'll about face and start making his way back to the city to begin his laundry list of tasks there we go that's and scene yeah so what'd you think of uh getting to be mirko and uh and show off gray bill as well well aside from the fact that i just realized i have no idea how to do a cajun accent uh i think uh it's pretty fun i think <laughs> A GM could definitely find some ways for Mirquo to show up even prior to that. Maybe he he's selling some stuff that the party needs. And, you know, I think he's, I think just like the things that we've lined out today give, give him a lot of potential as an NPC, just as, you know, kind of one of those, not one of those major NPCs, but one of those recurring ones that shows up every now and then. Point of contact for this uh, organization as well. Exactly. And we're starting to get into the final thoughts segment of the show. So I always like to check in with the guests and just ask them, you know, what they thought of their experience on the podcast. It took me long enough to get you on the show. So, yeah, uh, timing has always been a bit of an issue. Just make sure I have the time and energy. But, you know, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun just kind of spitballing, going back and forth on things. And, you know, I, of course, I've listened to the podcast before. So it's not like I, Aww. it took me by surprise or anything like that. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, a lot of fun. Since, uh, yeah, you know, on this podcast, we've had the opportunity to talk with both Gary and with Michael. Yeah, it was only inevitable to eventually get uh, another member of the Average Adventuring Party podcast on the show. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh, it's always fun. All three of us that you've had on the show have stretched our GM muscles at one point or the other. So kind of have to think like a GM a little bit to be on this uh, podcast. But it's also a great way to get you into that mindset especially when you're having mm-hmm. to improvise a character like that. Because uh, I'll, I'll let the listeners in, those of you that haven't ever GM'd before, uh, depending on your GM, anywhere from 10 to 90% of it can be improvisation. 
<laughs> Very true. So this podcast tries to do its humble community service and at least providing some fully fleshed NPCs that could easily be dropped into your game, maybe tweaked here or there, but someone that's already ready to go. Yes, exactly. And so for the very final moments of the show, I always like to leave it for the guests. So anything you want to plug, where can people find you online if you want to be found? Are there any uh, passions or causes that we need to know about? Let us know. Again, I am part of the Average Adventuring Podcast. I have been on uh, a few different interview sites. Uh, I think Geek Girl Authority is one that had an interview with me lately, as well as some other members of the podcast. Uh, my SoundCloud, I, which I mentioned earlier, mostly just has some little ska songs that I record myself, as well as uh, some game music that I'm writing, stuff that I use in my Doom levels, stuff like that. Mm. But that's uh, soundcloud.com slash D-R-B-O-F-U, Dr. Bofu, old, uh, old nickname there. And doctor coming from the fact that I spent way too long in school, long enough that they stuck a doctor at the front of my name. But yeah, that's all I've really got. As far as uh, causes and stuff, I'd say the biggest cause is just, you know, those of you that are playing in a tabletop group, just always treat your fellow players with uh, respect and courtesy. And that goes for your DM as well. This is a social hobby. And even if you don't talk with the people that you're playing with outside of the game, be a good person, be a good friend to them. You know, we all, we all have more fun when we all get along and just be considerate of your fellow players. All right. Very good words indeed. So Steve, I want to thank you brother for being on the podcast and uh, looking forward to having you back on to make even more random NPCs. Sounds great. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast. Or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, SidekicksAndSideQuests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for side kq podcast i would love to talk DD and showcase your fan art stories of how you used our npcs discussions and commentary if you would like to hail the bod simply send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com to help this show be the resource it's meant to be i ask that you please leave a review on itunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, or you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. And finally, after two years, I've decided to open a Patreon for Sidekicks and Sidequests. If you love this podcast and you want to help us grow and expand our operations, I would appreciate it if you would go on over to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Your name on the wall of the levitating platter, a loud hurrah on the podcast, or the possibility to introduce an element of chance to NPC creation. Psychics and Psychos is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four.
Nächste Zeit holen.